and good morning. Again, it's a tough act to follow. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. As Jeff is on vacation this week, uh, it's again my privilege and my pleasure to get to bring God's Word to you again. It's been about a little bit over a year since I've had the pleasure to do it. This morning we'll be looking at passage in Exodus, as, as you've seen in there. And someone mentioned after the first service, probably should be titled something like Remember or Remembrances. Um, but before we get going into things, let's go before the throne. Holy Father, wonderful Lord and Savior, thank you for your, your goodness and your mercies and how you are, um, you are God and our Redeemer. You care for us and watch over us, give us strength. And Father, you are lifted up. We ask that you're with us in this time. Uh, speak through me and interpret the words to be on the hearts of, of your people. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Well, what we're looking at this morning will be uh, probably one of the most reviled lists of laws in recent history, uh, as we'll be touching on to it. The Ten Commandments have been thrown out of the courts, out of public displays. Why? Because it mentions God and it comes from God. And we'll delve into that a little bit later on. But um, the past few weeks, we've had some interesting traffic situations. Anybody get stuck in any of that traffic around here on I-95 recently? Just causes all sorts of havoc that go on. Well, imagine, even with just that small area, if we had no traffic laws, if there were no traffic signals, if there were no lanes and no speed limits or anything like that, no one would be able to be here because we'd all be snarled in traffic someplace or dead on the highway because of the wrecks that we helped cause. So there must be some rules and regulations for that. Or how about if you ever wanted to play a sporting game or watch it on TV and if there were no rules in the game and how things are played, would that be really interesting? It'd be, again, all sorts of uh, troubles that would be going on with that. There must be some rules and regulations. And that's the purpose of the rules and regulations, of laws, is to provide guidance, to provide structure that a society could abide by. Uh, it's to promote the order and, of the culture and promote peace and justice. Without order... All that would exist at that point would be anarchy and chaos and destruction. In the Bible, as I've seen, there are basically three different types of laws. First of all, we'll look at the ceremonial law. These are, I, I don't want to say the lower, lower level laws, but these were the laws that were designed for the temple worship. Uh, what the priests were to wear, how they were to conduct things, the order of, this, of the worship, the structure of the temple, and, and things such as that. Even in our church, we have 
an order of worship. We are regulated as a session, as a deacon, as an elders. We are regulated by the Book of Church Order for the Presbyterian Church of the United States. Or, excuse me, Presbyterian Church of America. Ooh, that's way off. Uh, Presbyterian Church in America. Um, these are designed to give us a structure, biblically, biblically sound, so that we can abide by those. Because our duties as a session is to help guide the church, to lead the church, to counsel the church, to teach the church, God's people. And we want to be clear with that so that we don't deviate because we're here to honor God and honor Christ in the light of God's holy word. The second is a civil law. Well, these laws are enacted by the local governments, governing bodies, such as the city, the county, state, federal governments. Even some live in HOAs that have some governing authorities that uh, you have to tolerate. But each of these laws and regulations with the civil and in the uh, ceremonial, they, they could change over time as as different needs of the society go on and the mores of the society and the culture and the ones who are deciding the laws. We've seen many of the changes. Imagine in early America, it was not against the law at that time to text and drive at the same time, okay? Third set of laws are the moral laws. And these can be described as the forever laws. They are unchanging. They have always been true. They are still true today, and they will always be true. They are always in effect. These are God's laws. These are the Ten Commandments, and they are forever true. Any nation, people, society, culture that accepts them and follows them as evidence throughout history, those people have been blessed. The nations that have rejected them have been led into moral decay and the civilization's decline and downfall. Now the law was given to us by God to demonstrate his love for us so that we may come to know him. Paul writes in Romans 3.20, no one will be declared righteous in his, own, in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. The law is our guidepost. It is to point out our, our sin, our shortcomings, our failures. But being that, the law is for our benefit. The law is to direct us to God. It is to reveal to us our sin and our need for him. It reveals our need for his mercy. Now let's read through this morning's text, God's forever law. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 21. And God spoke all these things, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to their third and fourth generation 
of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that all your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. And you shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Thus reads God's word. So today we're looking at the, as I said, the Ten Commandments. Mainly this morning, since we, our time is limited and my study time was limited, we're looking at the first commandment and we'll be touching on the second commandment because they do go hand in hand so well. So you are free to study the other commandments at your leisure when you get home for homework. Uh, but also for the gentlemen, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, uh, Vic Headley has been leading the men's fellowship breakfast, and I believe we're still going through the Ten Commandments on with that. So you're welcome to join us for that. And that's coming this Saturday morning. Okay, as we look at the Ten Commandments we could see how they're divided up into mainly two sections. As we read in verses in the first four, verses three through seven, and then the second set is our relationship, well, that's the, our relationship with God, the vertical one. I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods, no idols, God's name, in, don't use God's name in vain, and the worshiping, our vertical relationship. After that, the next six are our instructions on how to treat man, our relationships with other people. And these was, this was also emphasized by Jesus when he was asked by questions. The Sadducees had been trying to corner Jesus at one time, and the Pharisees decided that once they were finished with him and didn't get very far, that they would try to question Jesus. So in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, let me read that. 
But when the Pharisees heard he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So the Ten Commandments are wrapped up in those two, the first section. The vertical relationship with God and a horizontal relationship with other people. But the first and foremost is our relationship with God. Because if we aren't straight with God, we can't be straight with other people. We cannot truly love until it has been truly demonstrated to us, until we have been truly loved ourselves. The law was given by God to show his love. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus fulfilled all the laws. In the Exodus passage, it begins with God speaking through Moses, reminding the people of who he is and what he has promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to Joseph. He is God who has watched over them the past 400 plus years in Egypt. He is God who sent the plagues to the Egyptians and against their gods and protected his people. He is God who led them out of Egypt with great riches. He is God who guided them through the wilderness with pillars of smoke and fire. He is God who provided food for them and water to drink while in the desert. He is God who allowed them to cross the sea on dry ground and then drown the Egyptian army in the exact same spot. He is God who gave them strength to defeat the Amalekites. The people of Israel witness these very recent events firsthand. This was a great demonstration of God's love for his people and keeping his covenant with Abraham. So God told Moses to remind the people for their sake and for all the generations to follow. For us, who are not direct witnesses to those mighty acts of God's, because how quickly we forget. How many of us have seen God's mighty hand in our lives, even calling us from where we've been? And how quickly we forget many times. Moses did what he was instructed. He wrote, wrote these down in, in the forms here. But let me also look at Deuteronomy. I'll read two passages from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, and then I'll pick up again at Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 7. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely, so that you do not forget the things you see, have seen, or forget things your eyes have seen, or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. In chapter 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I think we've heard those someplace else before. 
These commandments I give you today are upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. See how important these are, to pass it on. Pass it on to our children, to their children's children. But it's not only the parents. What do we do here when we, when we baptize a child? As a congregation, we are pledging to help raise the children. It's our responsibility to help teach the children, to teach their children, and so on and so forth, lest we forget. How, how can we help? Well, Sunday school teachers, VBS workers, how God blesses the children through those. Sometimes it's not a real big thing, but it, it does bless God. And it is fulfilling our responsibility to teach the children. Here's another quick side note. And um, recently, I've sort of been interested in seeing a lot of things on uh, ancient archaeology. I'll pull up some YouTubes and see some of the diggings that they do in ancient Jerusalem, the old city of David, the old temple. The temple, uh, well, Temple Mount, I don't think is really where the temple of God was, but and then Egyptian archaeology. And the more and more they're digging into things, there's these symbols on the wall and that are inscribed in stone. And from that, they've learned to translate those, that they could read the history of what Pharaoh, what king, who captured who, and everything that had gone on in those times. So seeing a lot of that history that comes in that actually confirms what is written in the Bible. Although people still want to say the Bible is just full of stories. No, the Bible is history, not stories. But the, night, the fun thing that I've seen is also when Jesus mentions in Luke 19, verse 40, because of all these things that we're finding that are in stone, in the hieroglyphics, Jesus said when, when he was going to the cross and, and that week, the disciples and all the clamor going around and people were saying, get those people to be quiet. And he said, if they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. I think the stones are starting to cry out. <clears throat> so... Moses is to remind people God's words. He's written them down. He's telling the people, remember, remember, teach them to your children. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, who brought you out of the land of slavery. That's how he opens the Ten Commandments. They had to be reminded, as we have to be reminded. Do you remember what happened to Moses when he came off the mountain? He had been up there for a while, and the people were still down in the valley, seeing all the thunder and lightning that's going up there. They were still quaking in their boots. <clears throat> they were sort of thinking that maybe something happened to Moses. But God was still t feeding them, feeding their, their uh, livestock. But they got unsettled. They worried. They approached Aaron. 
what happened to Moses? So they bring all their gold to him. They melt it down. <coughs> and what do they do? They make an idol. They make a golden calf. Golden calf is what a symbol, it was one of the gods of Egypt. They had just left there. God just rescued them from there. And here they're already not even, not even six months after. They're ready to go back to slavery. They're ready to go back to their old gods. So Moses, when he comes down, he sees what's going on. He asks Aaron, what, what have you done? Aaron sort of looks at it and goes, holy cow. But he says, we've had too much time. We've had too much idle time. That's what do we do with our idle time. What are we doing with it? So right away, the first and second commandments are broken. It sounds so simple that the Lord God is the only God. Yet, what idols do we bring up? It is very difficult to follow. With all this, the distractions we have nowadays in the world, sometimes we don't make, have the time, or we don't make the time for fellowship with God. And that relates, again, to the fourth commandment. Mankind is created to be in fellowship with God. But because of our sin, we're separated from him. God cannot stand sin. So we've separated ourselves. Everyone has the need and the desire to worship something. People may not consider what they do as worship, but that is what it is. It is holding something in our lives more dearly than the Lord God. It can be anything. There are so many isms and philosophies going around nowadays. Even atheists have something in which they have replaced God with. Many times they think it's intellectualism. But as the psalmist says, and the fool's heart is just drawing a blank now, but the fool says there is no God. Now let me ask you, to, if you'd like to, pull up your hymnals and turn to page number 872. In the hymnals that we have now, we also, it also includes the shorter catechism. And I'd like to look at questions 46 and 47. You will notice and the questions in the shorter catechism. Each of the laws of the Ten Commandments have two questions and two answers. One are the things that are required under the law. The second question are the things that are forbidden under that law. So question 46 is the requirement. Question, what is required in the first commandment? The answer, the first commandment requires us to know and acknowledge God to be the holy, true God and our God and to worship and to glorify him accordingly. Now for the forbidden part, question 47. What is forbidden in the fourth, first commandment? Answer, 
The first commandment forbids the denying of worship of not worshiping and glorifying the true God as God and our God and giving of that worship and glory to another which is due to him alone. Now are there any consequences of rejecting God? Of course. We've already touched on some. Breaking any of God's law has separated us from him. Let us let me give you a warning and then some good news. In Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power, have nothing to do with them. Well, it's a good thing none of our society sounds like that today. That's exactly where, where we stand. Because, we, because in those times it's saying, as they've rejected worshiping God, the vertical structure, the horizontal can't be held up. Ten Commandments, the rest of the commandments there are just clearly out, out, of the, out of line. It was not too long ago that the Ten Commandments were taken out of the courtrooms. But that does not negate in any way because they are the forever laws. It doesn't matter whether we agree with them, things or not. It's still there. They are God's law. People nowadays are crying out because of child abuse and let the children live. Yet every day we sacrifice children to the God of convenience. How many since 1972? Roe v. Wade. The violence that rages on in the cities, in the countries, in the world, the people are lost. Now some good news. If God had not provided a way for us to know him, we too would be lost. God is a God of justice. He is a perfect God who cannot have any sin before him. What can I do by myself? I can't do anything by myself. It is solely by the grace of God. As he has called Israel out of Egypt, he's called me, he's called us, he's called his church to come to him, to worship him. That's his good news. He has called us to be his children. He has provided a way for us. He has paid the price. The justice has been served. The price was paid through Jesus Christ. Let me go back to Psalm 19. I'll read verses 7 through 9 again. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. 
If we truly love God, we won't follow other gods or make idols. If we truly love God, we won't speak falsely about him or mock his name. If we truly love God, we won't neglect the gathering together to worship him. If we truly love God, we will study his laws and his precepts. Let's pray. Holy God and Father, we we thank you for your love, for your law, and the joy of, of knowing you, that you've paid the price for us through Christ Jesus, your Son. Father, we thank you and praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.